How global warming is changing Britain's seas and oceans. We found a complete change in the circulation in the North Sea, which suggests that the North Sea may act more like an estuary rather than an open ocean. Keeping aircraft safe from volcanic ash. The ash can actually then uh, cause those engines to fail and then obviously that's a very dangerous situation. And UK weather set to change. This weekend we say goodbye to low pressure, we say hi to high pressure. It's Thursday the 16th of January and you're listening to Weather Snap from the Met Office. Hello, I'm Claire Nazir and you're listening to Weather Snap, an insider's guide to the week's weather brought to you direct from Met Office HQ. This week saw the release of a new report on the impact of climate change on UK coastal waters and seas. Report Card 2020 from the Marine Climate Change Impact Partnership presents the findings of work carried out by 150 scientists from over 50 scientific organisations, including the Met Office. The report details evidence of warming oceans, acidification, reduced oxygen and higher sea levels. These in turn affect fish stocks and accelerate coastal erosion. Dr Jonathan Tinker is a senior climate research scientist here at the Met Office. Earlier he described the impacts of climate change on the marine environment. Talk me through the last few summers because obviously here in the Met Office we've been reporting quite severe heat waves, record-breaking temperatures... But there's been an effect across the oceans as well, which perhaps sometimes we neglect in our messaging. We're sort of seeing marine heat waves around the world and um, particular places in the world that are really important. Like in Australia, there's a huge amount of evidence of marine heat waves leading to coral bleaching and huge impacts. There's a lot less evidence for what's going on in the northwest European seas. They're projected to become far more important, but we don't really have a feel for what that means ecologically. Under a two-degree warming, we're expecting about a ten-fold increase in the marine heat waves for this area. Let's talk about climate change impact on oceans and seas. Give us a summary of how it impacts. The first things that happen are physical impacts in terms of the temperature of the water, and then there's chemical impacts such as increasing CO2 leading to ocean acidification. These two change the physical environment of the ecosystem which leads to changes in the phytoplankton base and then the zooplankton base, then the fisheries on top of that. As the planet warms and global warming is affecting every part of the planet, you as a scientist are seeing lots of changes going on below the surface of the water. Yes, so for my climate projections, we found a complete change in the circulation in the North Sea, which suggests that the North Sea may act more like an estuary rather than an open ocean. This has only just started to be looked at. There's a lot of research needs to be found for that. But there are a lot of things happening already, like sea bass expanding, which never really used to be found in the North Sea, is now expanding in from the the southwest. Same with the anchovies. What about cod stocks? Cod's almost at the upper limit of its thermal range. So we previously thought they could move north, but a recent study has shown that their habitat will change as they move north in the North Sea. The the water gets too deep for them. So it's not just marine life which is impacted from climate change. Also, our activities on the surface of the ocean and the seas. Yes, MSEP also has a section on the societal impacts of climate change. These include things like the coastal flooding, the transport and infrastructure, uh, tourism, recreation, and also harmful algal bloom species, which would stop people uh, swimming in the seas or eating shellfish. 
We're talking about the oceans and the seas, and it doesn't feel very relevant when you're living on land. So how, what can we do? There's two main issues, the climate change and the degradation of the ocean um, environment. So you can reduce your carbon footprint by turning off the lights, driving less. Um, but also when you go to the beach, don't leave your plastic rubbish on the beach. Try not to let the plastic get into the environment. Dr Jonathan Tinker, thank you very much. Full details of Report Card 2020 can be found at the MSIP Twitter feed. That's at mccip.org.uk. In other climate news, in light of the Australian fires, a panel of scientists, including some from the Met Office Hadley Centre, has produced a report on climate change and fire weather. Findings of the report include a link between human-induced warming and a global increase in the frequency and severity of wildfires, fire weather seasons have lengthened across the globe, and an increased risk of wildfires due to rising global temperatures. A separate report released this week by the Met Office, NASA and NOAA confirms that the 10 years ending 2019 was the warmest decade on record. Last year, the global temperature was 1.05 degrees above pre-industrial levels. The third year, where a one-degree rise has been recorded, the others being 2016 and 2015. The key difference being that last year's temperature was not boosted by heat from an active El Nino. Well, it's been a stormy week weather-wise across the UK, but it does look like things will quieten down into the weekend. Here with the details, Aidan McGiven. It's been another unsettled week across the UK, further bouts of wind and rain. Of course, we started the week with Storm Brendan and we've seen further areas of low pressure since then. You might be crying out, when will the weather ever change? And the answer is bang on cue. This weekend, we say goodbye to low pressure. We say hi to high pressure. That high pressure bringing a return to sunny days and cold, frosty nights for the vast majority. But there are always one or two exceptions. After a widespread frost on Saturday morning, we can expect a few slippery surfaces in the north of Scotland as showers continue here through the day. Blustery in the north of Scotland, but elsewhere it's simply a sunny Saturday. Temperatures by the afternoon 5 to 9 Celsius. Sunday brings more widespread sunny skies up and down the country. And after another frosty start, perhaps one or two icy patches in East Anglia, it's looking like a crisp fine winter's day. Later in the day, the winds will pick up and the cloud will build in the far northwest of Scotland, a sign of a cloudier week next week with a bit more patchy rainfall coming through. But for the time being, once high pressure builds this weekend, it's here to stay for a number of days. In recent weeks, volcanoes have made global headlines. Firstly, the White Island eruption in New Zealand in December, which claimed 18 lives. And again this week, as the Ta'al volcano in the Philippines erupted, spreading ash across 60 miles and forcing the shutdown of the country's main airport in Manila. Ash from volcanoes presents a major hazard to aviation, and nine volcanic ash advisory centres operate globally, monitoring eruptions and issuing warnings for ash clouds. The London Volcanic Ash Advisory Centre is hosted and run by the Met Office. To find out more, I spoke to specialist operational meteorologist 
Andrew Sibley. Our responsibility is for forecasting for the North East Atlantic. Iceland is the main area where the uh, most active volcanoes are, but there are one or two islands, there's Jan Mayen further north and Svalbard as well, which have the potential to give an eruption, but it is mainly Iceland. So basically if the, a volcano erupts and ash is spewed into the atmosphere, then your role kicks in. Yes, we're uh, constantly monitoring the situation with our colleagues in Iceland. And if a volcano does erupt, then we run our computer models, we monitor the situation even more closely and issue uh, volcanic cash advisories and graphical output, mainly to the aviation uh, community. Ash spewing into the atmosphere, how does it affect aircraft? Well, an aircraft which encounters ash risks sucking that ash into the engine and... uh, the ash can actually then uh, cause those engines to fail and then obviously that's a very dangerous situation. And I presume you're looking at every level here because there's takeoff and landing as well as flying up into the jet stream. That's right, yes. Volcanic eruptions can go right up to the stratosphere and uh, it can affect um, the transatlantic flight routes. So you're continually observing the atmosphere. What tools do you use? Well, we have a supercomputer here at the Met Office that runs continually, and once uh, a volcano is seen, we can run what's called a dispersion model, which shows us where that ash is going to go. I presume satellite imagery helps a lot as well. Yes, satellite imagery is very important, but also ground-based observations, LIDAR, and uh, we have aircraft as well which can monitor uh, the uh, situation. What's LIDAR? It's basically uh, it's a laser which goes up and it bounces off the cloud or the dust particles which are in the atmosphere and it gives you an indication of how high and what type of particles are in the atmosphere. It's a lot of pressure then, obviously, um, from the Civil Aviation Authority and NATS because, you know, delays cost money, cancellations cost even more money. Yes, there's a lot of pressure to get it right and to advise the airlines that they can't fly. It's quite a high-pressure job when it does happen. But that's something we have to do and uh, just use our best knowledge and uh, expertise to actually forecast that. Specialist operational meteorologist Andrew Sibley. Now, just before we go, here's Ellie Creed with last week's highs and lows. Here are your weekly extremes from Monday the 6th to Sunday the 12th of January. The highest max occurred on Tuesday the 7th of January when Merlot in County Down reached a high of 15.3 Celsius. Braemar in the Highlands was the coldest place with a minima of minus 7.9 Celsius early on Friday morning. It was a wet week all round with further flooding. However, Aknagart in the Northwest Highlands had the wettest day on Saturday the 11th of January when 97 millimetres of rainfall was recorded. And finally, Friday was the sunniest day with Wittering in Cambridgeshire recording a daily sunshine total of six hours. Thank you, Ellie. That's it for Weathersnap. I'm Claire Nazir. Producer this week was Adrian Holloway. Weathersnap is a podcast by the UK Met Office.